0: in terms of uh, uniqueness in the Psalms. It was written by a man by the name of uh, Moses. Um, Read it with me if you don't mind. Uh, Psalms chapter 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before mountains were brought forth or wherever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and you say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, passed and like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood They are like sheep in the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength, they are 80. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. O, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants, and let your glory to their children appear. And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so, Father, we we thank you that we have the privilege to open up your word, to to go into this uh, Psalm 90, to delve into this uh, amazingly unique psalm written by... Moses the man of God I ask that you would just open up our eyes open up our hearts open up our minds to the reading of your word I I thank you so much for uh, this worship team uh, that was up here and Uh, for Rebecca and Isaac and Emmanuel, I ask that you would just bless them as they they led us into the the throne room of God and and just presented their gifts before uh, you. And I ask that you would help us as we continue in our worship of you, as we read your word, that you would just speak to us now. I, I thank you so much for each and every single one of these people here. I ask you bless this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen psalm 90 Uh, it starts with this amazing title Uh, as with all the psalms that have titles in the original hebrew the title is always the first verse Uh, this was in the original version of the hebrew bible Uh, it is the original title of the psalm not the you know whatever is above that you know in the bold print in your bibles but but the actual first line of the psalm was this a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Do you understand what it took for Moses to call himself a man of God, to have that title after his name? In fact, throughout the Bible, you see men of uh, God, but Moses is the first person in the whole Bible to be given this name, to be given this title, man of God. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 1, he is given this name or this title, man of God. In the Psalms, this is the only Psalm that has the title after it, man of God. Moses, the man of God. Who was Moses? You guys have already, you know, been to Sunday school, heard the stories, uh, read the Bible, read the first five books of the Bible, read uh, Exodus. and, And so many of us know what it was to be Moses. What did he do for the first 40 years of his life? He was a prince, right? He lived in... Egypt he was the grandson of the Pharaoh he was sent to the best schools Uh, he took the classes that the upper echelon of the Egyptian society would have been allowed to take he would have known how to read he would have known how to write Uh, he would have known what it meant to lead a people but what happened approximately when he was 40 years old he killed somebody, right? And what did he have to do? He fled. What did he do for the next 40 years of his life? First 40 years, it was cush, right? It was posh. It was, it was living in luxury as the king's grandson or the pharaoh's grandson. What did he do for the next 40 years of his life? On the run for murder. He was a shepherd. Out there in the Midianite wilderness, marrying a daughter of a Midianite priest, raising sheep literally for 40 years. First 40 years of his life in Egypt, a prince. Second 40 years of his life, 40 to the age of 80, okay, a shepherd. What do you do normally if you're 80 years old? Get out the rocking chair, right? Turn on the TV. No, God had another purpose for the next 40 years of his life. From the age of 80 to the age of 120, what did he have to do? Lead an obstinate, rebellious group of people in the wilderness in circles. That's what he had to do. All this preparation that he was in training for for the first 80 years of his life led to leading the people of Israel. At the beginning of this wilderness wandering, approximately at the age of 80, 82, uh, he writes this prayer. And we see that that it's a prayer uh, to God from a man of God. There's another title that Moses has, as well. Turn with me to Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3. Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3. What does it say? Now, the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. What a title is that? Wow. To claim, not, not the wisest man, not the strongest man, not the, the godliest man or the man that's the most perfect, but what is the title given to Moses in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3? The humblest of all men. In fact, this is a, a time when rebellion has been happening, uh, not just in the leadership of Israel, but even amongst his own brother and sister, who, by the way, uh, were older than him. It was his sister Miriam, you remember, who was approximately, you know, eight to 12 years older than him, who was the one that put him in the river when he was a baby, right? She rem- and as you know, all mothers, all older sisters do, they remember you at your youngest. And so what did Miriam remember him as, this leader of Israel? I, I remember when I used to change your diapers, put you in that, uh, you know, that boat, put you into uh, the river. And, and they come against Moses and they say, you are unfit to lead the people of Israel. And Moses does not say a single word. In this whole account, in Numbers chapter 12, he says no words. Do you know who defends him? God. In fact, if you uh, skip just a little bit ahead there, verse four, it says, suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, his two older siblings. And they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. This is the normal way that God would speak to people, in visions and dreams. But how did he speak to Moses? Verse 7, not so with my servant Moses, the humblest man, the man of God. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him Face to face. I speak with him face to face. You remember what happened, right? That, that privilege that Moses had to watch the glory of God go by him while he was held in the cleft of the rock by the very hand of God. It was Moses who would go on top of the mountain for 40 days at a time and spend time with God. It was Moses that prepared the way of the people. In every single case, whenever Moses was accused, whether it was by Korah, whether it was by other leaders within the people of Israel, it was always God that defended him, not he himself. A humble man. In fact, as it says here, the humblest of all men on the planet. Do you understand what restraint that took? And and God's defending him now. And he says, I speak with Moses face to face. This is God speaking. Even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of God, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You you should be falling down before me right now in my presence as Moses does. But here you are accusing the man that I have chosen to lead, Israel. Now... Was Moses always willing? Remember how he was called, right? What were the excuses that Moses gave? Can't speak, right? Perfect excuse. I'm 80 years old. I've already had two careers. What are you doing giving me a third one, God? Right? I should be retiring now. God gives him this obstinate group of people instead to serve him. So this prayer, this unique psalm written by Moses, the only one of the psalms written by Moses himself, is this prayer starting with Moses, the man of God. Verse 1, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. What kind of dwelling places did Moses get to dwell in? For the first 40 years, what was it like? Where did he dwell? The palace, right? He, he got to uh, sleep in an area where the king's family lived. Uh, he got to eat the, the finest of foods. Uh, at this time, of course, Egypt was the world power of the day. Uh, they were the ones that invented the chariot. They were the ones that invented papyrus. They were the ones that invented mathematics and applied it to not only their agriculture, but also to their you know, weapons and, and construction and everything else. Uh, th- this was the life that Moses was in for the first 40 of years. What did he dwell in for the second 40 years? Out in the wilderness, amongst the bushes, in tents, right? Amongst the sheep. That's where he dwelt. Uh, he, he had the privilege of, of listening to sheep at night. Whether that's a privilege or not, I don't know. Uh, but but the, the ability to be out there with the sheep, watch the stars, and then what happens at the age of 80? He sees a burning bush, right? Where did he dwell the last 40 years of his life? In a tent again in a wilderness wandering in circles. Every single time that cloud would rise, every single time that pillar of flame would rise, what did every single person within the camp of the Israelites have to do? What did they have to do? They had to pack up everything and move and and follow that cloud, follow that fire. They had to pack up the tabernacle. They had to pack up their belongings. They had to pack up their tents, and they had to move to the next location. This was Moses' life for the last 40 years of his life. Verse 2, what does it say? Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Who was told the story of creation and wrote it down? Moses. In fact, Moses uh, wrote the most words in all the Bible, you understand. The first five books, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, 50 chapters, Exodus, 40 chapters, right? Uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy in the 40s and 30s in terms of chapters. More than any other writer in the whole Bible, Moses wrote not only the history of Israel, but literally the history of the world. He he heard firsthand's account of how God formed those mountains, how how God formed the universe, how how God made everything that we see around us in nature. It, It was God who told Moses In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was Moses that penned those words of how man was formed from the dust of the earth, right? It was Moses that wrote the history of the world. It was Moses that was told the accounts of Abraham and the beginnings of Israel and how they were kept in Egypt until God brought Moses to lead them out. It was Moses that wrote Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and also the one psalm that we're reading here, Psalm 90. Verse 3, it says, You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, uh, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. What happened when Moses uh, was literally leading the people out of Egypt and they come to that Red Sea? When they come to that barrier of water, what did God tell Moses to do? Now raise your staff, right? Part the waters. A wind blows literally all night long and dries that passageway while, while the cloud is blocking the Egyptian army in the past. The, the, the Israelites cross over the next morning on dry ground. The Egyptians see that. What do they do? They give chase. And what happened to that Egyptian army? How were they destroyed? It says it right here. Verse, uh, verse um, five. You are carried carried them away like a flood. Right? He saw that army engulfed by the very waters of the Red Sea. He watched it firsthand. What is it like to be consumed by the anger of God? and to have his wrath terrify you. He saw it in those faces. He, he saw it when the earth opened up literally underneath Korah and Abisham and Dothan as they were sucked into the earth when they had rebelled against Moses. He, he saw it when Aaron's sons who took strange fire into the Holy of Holies, into the tabernacle to light those uh, those incense. He saw it when they were struck down because they disrespected God. He saw it when the serpents came up and were biting the people and poisoning the people that had rebelled. He, he saw it when Aaron's son was told to go and speak put his spear through those who had disobeyed and had married foreign wives or were committing adultery with foreign wives that were worshipers of other gods. He he understood what it meant when the holy wrath of God came upon his people. He understood what it meant to have respect for the Lord What does verse four say? For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. Do you understand the history that Moses had the privilege of writing? The book of Genesis literally covers those 50 chapters uh, literally cover a period of some 2,500 years written down in a, a book of the Bible and from the beginning of creation all the way to the blessings of Israel to the next generation, the, the 12 sons that would become uh, the tribes of Israel. Now that, that approximately 2,500-year period of history that, that Moses had the privilege of writing down And what was it like in the sight of God? Like that. Those thousands and thousands of years recorded in the book of Genesis. Told to Moses like that. History, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. To God, what are they like? As if they just happened yesterday. As if they had just happened or like a a watch in the night a a approximately four hour time period verse five it continues on they are like sh- asleep in the morning they are like grass which grows up in the morning it flourishes and grows up what happens in the evening it is cut down and it withers Moses if you remember, lived literally to the age of 120. Uh, he, he had the, the privilege of, of seeing not only uh, what it meant to live in a, a wealthy society, but also to uh, dwell amongst the sheep. And what was those f- for first 40 years like? What was that second 40 years like as, as Moses looks back on his life at the age of 80? How fast did it go? You know if, if you're older, you understand. What, what, what did those years, those watching your children grow up, uh, those years in the past, what did it feel like? As if they were over like that, right? It seems like time goes faster and faster and faster uh, the older you get. In, in the morning, when I was younger, I was rich. I could do anything I wanted. But what happens later on in life? Does it get harder? For Moses it did. Verse seven, it continues on. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins In the light of your countenance, Moses understood what it meant to stand before a holy and righteous God. And yes, Moses was a man of God. Yes, Moses was the humblest of all men. Yes, Moses understood what it meant to allow God to defend him. But was Moses in any way comparing himself in terms of his righteousness ever to the holiness of God? No. He understood what it meant to stand next to the perfect creator of the universe. To stand next to the holy, holy, holy the righteous of all. the, The one who was righteousness defined. He understood that standing next to God, what did he look like? I'm a sinner. I have lots of iniquities and I know that I have secret sins in my life. You see, This was approximately written after the the Israelites had had sent in spies to the land. Uh, They had sent in spies, one from every single one of the tribes of Judah. Ten of them bring a bad report, Two, two of them bring a good report. And how do the people respond to these 12 spies? They become scared. Of who? The giants in the land and their walled cities. Uh, To them, we'll look like grasshoppers, right? Uh, To them, next to these giants, we are small and puny. There's no way we could ever defeat them. And what was the consequence of that sin? They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Every single person over the age of 20 years old, except for Joshua and Caleb, would die in that wilderness. How old was Moses when he died? 120 years old. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Verse 8, it continues on, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. What is it that brings our sins to light? The countenance of God. Not comparing yourself to the pastor. Not, not comparing yourself to another you know, person. Well, at least I'm better than so-and-so. No. No. What's the standard? What's the comparison? Every single time. Who's the comparison? Jesus Christ, God Himself. That's the standard. And Moses understood that. When I stand next to God, uh, you know, yes, I may be called the humblest of guys. Yes, I may be called a man of God. But I have sin in my life, I have iniquities, I even have secret sins. Verse 9, for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Do you understand what it meant to wander in the wilderness? Knowing that every single person over the age of 20 would not make it out. Until every single person over the age of 20... Died in that wilderness. You know, to to wake up every single morning and hear the cries in the surrounding tents, of people that had died the night before, because of the obstinence, because of the rebellion of the people of Israel. Verse 10, it says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. How many graves? You understand that there was approximately 1.2 million men that left Egypt. That, that uh, escaped from the land of Egypt as they were given the gifts of Egypt and, and told to leave Egypt after those 10 plagues. Th- those 1.2 million men and their families, every single one of them that was over the age of 20 had their burial grounds in the wilderness. Had their graves in the wilderness. What is it like to have a fleeting life? When you get to that age of 70, when you get to that age of 80, knowing that most of your life is behind you. Moses understood it perfectly. It continues on, verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What was it like to lead a rebellious, obstinate people who wanted, by the way, to return to Egypt, who didn't remember the times when Uh, They were beaten and whipped and had to build things for the Egyptians. All they remembered was the cantaloupe and being able to put their their fork into the fire and and take out some meat. What was it like to be confronted with that rebellion day in and day out? Just leaving the nation of Egypt, crossing the the miraculous uh, parting of the Red Sea, uh, and, and then for the people to say, I'm thirsty and I'm hungry. And what does God do? Gives them water from the rock. It gives them the sweetener to put into that pool in Mara. Uh, that, that, that gives them the manna literally every single day while they're wandering in the wilderness. Uh, that gives them the quail that just flies in miraculously. So that all they have to do is scoop them up. Who provided all that? It was God. It was God. Verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days. Every single day is precious. Every single day that we have to live here on the earth and serve God is precious, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What was it like to be Moses and have to lead 1.2 1.2 million people around in a circle in the wilderness. Every single day, the Bible says, he would wake up and, and outside his tent was a long line of people and what were they wanting? My neighbor stepped on my whatever, right? My my neighbor took my lamb or, or my neighbor did this to me. And, and every single day he had to spend, literally listening to the complaints of Israel until his father-in-law came, the priest of Midian, and what did he tell him to do? Divide the people up. You know, you're working too hard, right? The, the wisdom of his father-in-law coming to him, telling him you need to divide the people into thousands and, and 500s and 100s and 50s and 10s so that they can judge the little stuff and you can judge the big stuff, right? You're working yourself too hard. You're 80 years old. What are you doing, right? You need to uh, take care of the big problems. A heart of wisdom. Verse 13. I love this. What does it say? What does it say? The very first phrase of verse 13. Return, O Lord. Return, O oh Lord. You know what the New Testament version of that exact same phrase is? Maranatha. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, right? Come now, right? The, the same hope that we have now for the return of Jesus Christ uh, that, that he gave as a commission to those you know, people on, on literally on the mountain as he was rising up. To go forth into all the world and, and preach the gospel to uh, everyone, starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then to the othermost parts of the earth. They, they were waiting for him to return, even that very day, by the way. But God had a commission for them. Same thing with Moses. What was his commission? To take care of an obstinate. Rebellious people wandering around in the wilderness in circles. Every single day having to pack up their tents and and watch where God would lead them to the next station or the next area. Return, O Lord. Return, O Lord. How long? And have compassion on your servants oh satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days you understand what that heart of wisdom uh, that that moses was given being the the humblest of man a, a man of god a man who would spend literally days weeks Literally months on top of mountains listening to the, wor- the very word of God. To have those ten commandments written by the finger of God and given to him. And, and then to see the very people who he's le- leading, what are they doing? Worshiping Cows dancing naked before cows, led by his brother. I just, I just took their rings and threw it in the fire and out came a cow, right? That's what he said. This was Moses, what it meant to lead an obstinate group of people. Verse 14, it says, O oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. You see, Moses not only was uh, a prince first 40 years of his life, uh, not not, not only was a shepherd the second 40 years of his life, not only the leader uh, of the people of Israel the last 40 years of his life, uh, his name is mentioned in more books of the Bible than any other person. Do you understand that? More in every single book, okay, Uh, Of those 66 books, he's mentioned in 31 of those books. David's not mentioned that many times. Jesus isn't mentioned that many times. Jesus is only in the, 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 the New Testament. Moses is mentioned in 31 books of the Bible. He he is he is touted over and over again as this leader of Israel. Who was it there on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Jesus and Peter and John and, and James are there? Who was it that showed up? Moses and Elijah. It, it was Moses that had the privilege after he was you know uh, literally you know uh, raised from the dead to be able to. Uh, come back on that t- on that mountain of transfiguration, and who did he fellowship with? Who did he talk with? Jesus, oh, along with Elijah, who lived, you know, approximately seven hundred years later. By the way, and it continues on. Make us glad to the days in which we have, or you have, afflicted us; the years in which we have seen evil. What a prayer. What a prayer. This should be on our refrigerators, on our mirrors. Do you understand what he's saying here? Uh, Teach me, God, to be joyful and glad when hardships come in my life, literally hand-delivered by you. You when, When you allow hard times in my life, Teach me to be glad. Teach me to be joyful in those times. Uh, Teach me not just to endure. Teach me not just to be satisfied, the status quo, but teach me to be glad when you bring the hard times in my life. what, What is that like to pray that prayer? Every single day, as Moses had to watch that cloud, that pillar of fire, what would they have to do? Got to pack up my tent again, move to the next location. Lord, teach me to be glad today. That that long line of people that are ready to complain to me, teach me to be glad today. When we have to go to, for the umpteenth time, wandering around in the wilderness, Lord, teach me to be glad. Who brought about that judgment upon Israel? It was God himself, because they were a rebellious, obstinate people. Yes, it wasn't Moses' fault. Lord, teach me to be glad because of what they are being punished for. Verse 16... Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. You see, many times we leave off the for us. You know, we we say, Lord, bless the works of my hand so I can pass it to the next generation. But but Moses is saying, for us. Do you understand? Who's the one that establishes the legacy? Was it Moses? No, it was God. It was God that established the legacy. It was, it was God that brought about. The mentioning of Moses over and over and over and over again uh, throughout history in the Bible. Do you know what it was like for Moses? Knowing, knowing that you would not enter into the promised land, knowing that you wouldn't die in the wilderness, but you would die on top of a mountain, looking at the promised land. Having to pass the baton to the next generation of people, to Joshua, to Caleb, and those that were under the age of, you know, 20 when they entered the wilderness. To, to not see the fulfillment, but to trust God that they would go into the land and conquer it. Do you understand uh, the giving up, literally, of the authority? To to know that I put in the 40 years of hard work, I, I lived for 120 years, and I don't even get to set foot in the Promised Land? You see, the story of the death of Moses is actually in, Genesis, or in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and if you don't mind, please turn with me there. Deuteronomy chapter 34, we, we read what happens. Uh, the nation of Israel, every single one, including Aaron, including Miriam, including every single person that had started that wilderness journey over the age of 20 had died, except for Moses. The very last one that has to die before they can enter into the promised land. Do you understand what that's like? To to pass the baton now to Joshua. To pass the baton now to the next generation of people who would get to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Who would get to set foot on the promised land. In, In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1, it says, then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of, what's that mountain? Pisgah. To the top of Pisgah. And what did he get to do? which is across from Jericho, which was going to be the very first city that they would come to as they crossed the Jordan River. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, the very first city that they would have to do. And, and Moses, he climbs this 2,300-foot mountain at the age of 120. Can you imagine that? Uh, to go up to the top of the mountain... At the age of 120, what does it say there? And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea. This must have been a very clear day. To be able to see from that mountain into the promised land, not just, you know, over the Jordan River, but literally all the way to the other ocean, now, the, the, the western area, the western sea, uh, Joppa and the area where the Philistines were, now, to be able to see the Gaza area. And then not just over to the ocean, but also far north to the northern area of Dan or or to the southern areas of Ephraim and Judah and those areas. What does it continue to say? The south and the plains of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zorah. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to give Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes. But you shall not cross over. What was the reason why Moses wasn't allowed to cross over? Struck the rock twice, right? When God told him to speak to the rock, what had he done? He struck it. He understood what it meant to suffer the consequences of his sins. This this humblest of men, this man of God. It continues on. The death of Moses continues on. The very last chapter that he gets to pin as he's looking out over the promised land, seeing it clearly, verse 5, So Moses, the servant of God, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Who's the one that buried Moses? God himself. His friend. The one whom he would wake up to every single day and pray the one who would wake up every single day and have that that privilege to be able to talk to God, to be able to, as we read earlier, see him face to face. It continues on there. What does it say about Moses at the age of 120? Verse 7. Why was he able to see all the way to the Western Ocean? Why was he able to see all the way up to Dan? Verse 7, it tells us, Moses was 120 years when he died. His eyes were not dimmed. Do you understand what that means? Didn't need glasses. He he could see that that promised land that had been promised to the next uh, generation. Nor his natural vigor diminished. He was able to walk up that mountain at the age of 120. This man of God, who would wake up every day and serve the people of Israel, this man of God, who was called the humblest of all men on the earth, this man of God, who was the leader of an obstinate, rebellious, you know, iniquity-strewn people, who had to wander around in circles in the wilderness. How did he die? How did he die? He he was full of vigor. He, he, He was able to climb a mountain and see to the other ocean. How did he die? Because he was told he couldn't enter the promised land. And the people were going to enter into the promised land. It was there on that mountain that God literally had the privilege of laying his friend to rest. And burying them there. This isn't the last time we see Moses, by the way. It's not on the mountain of transfiguration that we see Moses. Do you know where the last time we see Moses at in the Bible? It's in Jude, exactly, thank you. Wiley knows it. Jude chapter, or chapter one, there's only one chapter, uh, verses eight and nine. Jude eight and nine. We get the privilege of a little more insight into what it was like when, um, uh, when uh, Moses died. What does eight and nine say there of Jude? Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, they reject authority, they speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of... Moses dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, what is it like to be uh, one of the most powerful angels in heaven, the archangel, Michael? Having this, this great power, and who does Michael rely upon? same person who the body uh, that he's fighting over also relied upon, Moses. The the opposite of every single one of the people that that it's being compared to in verse 8 that rely upon themselves and brag about what they do. Moses, that, that man of God who trusted in God to defend him Every single time he was conf- uh, confronted, every single time he was accused, he allowed God to speak for him. Just as the archangel who's guarding his body uh, does as well. There's a hymn that mentions the mountain. The mountain where Moses saw the promised land. Listen to this. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. May I thy consolation share till from Mount Piscas, lofty height, I view my home and take my flight. Do you understand what that was like? To know that, yes, I'm not going to enter the promised land. Yes, I know I'm going to be dying here. I'm going to be passing the baton on to the next generation. But that's not my home. That is not my home. Where is my home? In the presence of God where I get to see him every single day, face to face, where I don't have to wake up every single day and see a long line of people ready to complain. And I get to be in the presence of my friend, God. If if you know this hymn, or even if you don't, we're gonna sing it, you know, Four times the the, the various uh, uh, stanzas here, and, and the tune is exactly the same for every single one of the, these stanzas, just like a like a hymn. And so you'll you'll catch on uh, very quickly. Please please join me in this hymn. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care, that bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief, and oft escaped the tempter's snare, By thy return, sweet hour of prayer. We'll try and bring it down just a little bit. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share. Of those who anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return, with such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his place and gladly take my station there and wait For thee, sweet howl of prayer, sweet howl of prayer, sweet howl of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear. To him whose truth and faithfulness Engage the waiting soul to bless And since he bids me seek his face Believe his word and trust his grace I'll cast on him my every care And wait for the sweet hour of prayer sweet how of prayer sweet how of prayer may i thy consolation share till from mount pisgah's lofty heights i view my home and take my flight this robe of flesh shall drop and rise and seize the everlasting price and shout While passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for psalms like this, Psalm 90, written by a man of God. Written by a man who was the humblest of all and who literally left this psalm for us. This prayer for us so that when we go through the hard times, at whatever age it may be, at whatever career change it may be, at whatever place in life we are, that we too would pray this prayer, just as Moses did. That that we would have that sweet time of communion uh, with you and just bring our hearts' requests before you, Uh, bring our our hearts' uh, bemoanings before you, Uh, bring before you the cares of this world and lay them at your feet, Father. And so help us to be like Moses, a man who could have bragged about all the things he did, who could have uh, bragged about all the things that he wrote about, how, how he had the privilege of being able to, to listen and see God face to face and be able to hear about the very creation of the world. And yet being that humble man that he was, he allowed God to defend him every single time. He allowed God to establish his legacy. He, he allowed God to stand there and judge the people of Israel and, and defend his leader. And even to take him to that very top of that mountain and be able to see the promised land knowing that he would never enter it and allow God to take him home. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you would help us tonight That when the hard times come, that we would bring them to your feet. That that, that when the hard times come in our lives, as they do for every single one of us, that, that we would gladly bring them at your feet. And Lord, help us to have joy in those circumstances. Help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're walking there with us. Uh, just as uh, as Isaac saying tonight that, that you are our shepherd, that, that you're the one that guides us, that we are just the sheep of your pasture. And so, Lord, I ask that you bless every single one of these people here. I ask that you use them for your glory and help us to desire with all of our hearts to share this with other people, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.